Um, yep, Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12. So I read, I read from the NIV. Um, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for that. Give Tom a round of applause, please, brothers and sisters. So I'm going to make a point. I'm going to make a point to uh, to not actually have the Bible verses up there that they're actually like actual Bible readings. Sorry, that's all right. You can yeah. But like, I want you guys to actually be using your Bibles because you have your Bibles available. I will put verses up there and stuff. But let's pray, and and let's see God as we end 2023 and move into the coming the, the new year. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your Word. Thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for your Son. And the sacrifice he made so that we might be moved from darkness into your wonderful light. And I pray this morning that you would minister to each of our hearts, that you would help us do away with any distractions, and that we might focus solely upon you at this time. Glorify yourself. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In this past year, I have met a number of people who, Christians as well, who for want of a better description, and I would include myself in this to some degree, how a lot of times we sort of live in this state of continual defeat. How we just, we're just satisfied with existing as Christians, and we, we go about our day-to-day activities, even our Christian activities, and we twiddle, we twiddle our spiritual thumbs by attending church on a Sunday or, or by going to a, a, a service on a, on a Sunday or, or our prayer meeting or, or, or our, our regular devotionals and we have our, our continual activities that we do and we can lose sight of, of the beauty. It, it lot, I mean, we went through the whole of the Gospel of John for the purpose of looking at the beauty of Jesus Christ. And while we're spiritually twiddling our thumbs, we're looking for somebody or to something outside of Christ to fill us up, or at least point us in the right direction. So what I wanted to do today is that we're going to, this is a bit of an introductory sermon, we're going to be joining with the kids' church because we're going to be doing the armor of God over over the, the, the next few weeks, and we're going to do the same. So you know, with your grandkids or with your kids, you could talk about. So we've we've lined up to start next week the first piece of the armor of God, and we'll do that for six weeks in order to equip us for the coming year, to equip us for for the battle that we're in. And you'll you'll notice if you ever read through the six pieces of armor that the first three pieces of armor are pieces that we are told to wear things that we're not supposed to take off, things we're supposed to have on at all times. And then the next three pieces are pieces that we are to take up when appropriate, to take up when needed. And that's the way the thing is. It's like, uh, for example, for, if you're playing sport, uh, you're dressed, and you, maybe tennis. Does anyone here play tennis? 
yeah, or squash or anything like that. You have, you'll have your appropriate gear. You'll have your appropriate dress on. You'll have your, your, your tennis shoes on. And then when it's time to step out on the court, then you take up your racket or your table tennis table or from baseball, your baseball bat and things. So, but you're always ready to go. So when it's time to get called into the game, you're ready to enter the game. So it is with the armor of God. We are given this as we look to the coming new year, as we've dealt with and left behind and just say, okay, Lord, you were faithful in 2023. I know you're going to be faithful in 2024. And the battle that we are about to enter, God has given us and provided for us the means in which we can fight and battle effectively. To fight and battle effectively. So, from the text we're looking at today, which is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12, we are going to look at three things, three things to help us stand strong in 2024 in the promises and in the person of Christ. Now, many years ago, in the year 2000, I used to run a campsite with uh, a few friends at Word of Life, and one of the things I would do was play a game. Now, the game, we had this huge tug-of-war rope. And I would make a big circle in the tug-of-war rope, and I'd stand in the middle, and I'd get all the boys in the middle, and then we'd play King of the Ring. I've shared this illustration once before. We'd play King of the Ring. And basically all it meant was this. When I said go, you just pushed everybody out of the ring, and whoever was left standing in the ring wins. Nine times out of ten, it would be me. Mainly because the guys that were in there, even the, the other leaders, the other leaders were maybe like you know, in their early 20s, so they've got no strength. And so, but then you had all these like, you know, like young high school kids, like you're seven, eight, nine. I'm just like, <laughs> get out, get out. And just throwing kids all over the place. It was a lot of fun. Now, but what would happen was this. Then we would have another round. What would happen is all of those kids would then decide, let's all get Joe. And so then it's like, okay, then you've got your team, which is usually about 25 kids, and there's me. Now, granted, I would lose, but I would go down fighting. I would go down fighting, and then they would get me up, fair enough. So then the third round, what would I do? I would create my own team, usually with the leaders. So there's me and a bunch of 20-year-olds versus a whole bunch of year seven and eight kids, and then we would win. I'm very competitive. It's terrible. Okay, but basically what happened would be this. I would know what I am up against so that I could then take the appropriate measures or the appropriate course of action to overcome the obstacles that I am being faced with. So when I look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 12, and then the, then the following verses that look at the armor of God, basically we're looking at the same thing, of knowing what we're up against, taking the appropriate measures that enable us to fight effectively in the battle that we face. So there are three things I want to look at today. I want to actually start off in verse 12. We're going to look at what I call our struggle or the struggle that we face. As it says up there in verse 12, see, struggle in life is a reality that we all encounter to some degree. It might be health issues. It might be financial issues. That may be parenting issues. It may be marital, marital issues. It might be career or relationship issues. It might be internal conflict with yourself. It might be external pressures from outside. Regardless of what it may be, these issues can take prominence in our lives that have caused us to lose sight of the warfare, to lose sight of the battle 
that is taking place around us. Once again, let's read this verse. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. The word struggle is translated in the New King, in the New King James, a lot of other translations, the King James, etc., as wrestle. And I actually prefer the word wrestle in the other Bible versions slightly better because wrestle implies confrontation. Wrestle implies entanglement. Wrestle implies, you've seen wrestlers, you watch the WWE, even though that stage, you watch the WWE, you've got two people, two forces of nature, one guy that might be seven foot eight, whatever it might be, another guy six foot three, and they go at each other, and there's this continual wrestle going on while one seeks to gain the upper hand over another. Or, as they gain an upper hand, render their opponent incapacitated and useless. That's what happens when you wrestle. I, I like to, well, not now, because Nathaniel's bigger than me now. So when I would wrestle with Nathaniel, we would have our wrestling matches. And often, if I would get the upper hand, I was, when I was, when I was heavier than him, I would have him pinned to the ground, and his arms would be underneath him like this, while he's face down on the ground, and I just sit on top of him. And he couldn't move his legs. I, 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 crap. I would incapacitate him, basically. And I would just sit there and I'd say, you ready to give up, boy? You ready to give up? How old, he's, he, would have been, he would have been about 12 or 13 then. But, you know, <laughs> but, but, you know, even, even that, but you render him incapacitated so he can't do anything. Now, Paul gives an insight here regarding our struggle, that our issues that take place physically around us have their roots not so much in the physical, but in the spiritual aspect of our existence. Because our wrestle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. See, the spiritual realm is real and present and very much often ignored by a lot of us today because of our materialistic mindset. Uh, Tony Evans, he, he explains it very well, and this is what he says. What Paul wants you and I to know and give us some inside information on is that everything visible and physical is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. Therefore, if you want to address the visible physical result and effect, you must identify the invisible spiritual cause. Without identifying the invisible spiritual root, you are going to be thrown off by the, by the visible physical fruit. Okay? So basically, it's not trying to shift the blame of negative things that take place in your life or the hardship experience that you go through or the difficulties that you end up having. It's not trying to discard and so you can sit there and say, oh, the devil made me do it. Okay, that's, that's not what the point is here, because Satan's power, Satan's hold, and Satan's authority was dealt with and destroyed. You know when? At the cross. Jesus Christ destroyed his hold, destroyed his power, destroyed not so much his influence, he still has influence, but rendered the devil impotent 
He was rendered impotent by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. That Jesus who had to be made, and we looked at this verse last week in Hebrews 2.17, had to be made fully human in every way in order to become a merciful and faithful high priest and that he might take from the dead, sorry, he might take atonement for the sins of the people. And that in his resurrection from the dead, through the spirit of holiness, the Lord Jesus was appointed the Son of God and power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's in Romans chapter 1, verse 4. The point to this, that Satan and, Satan and his demons work through deception, casting doubt, tripping you up, and appealing to your pride. Because one, he wants us to give in to him. He plays on our weaknesses. He plays on our temptations. And so when we give in to such things, he basically, I guess you say, piggybacks off our weakness to cause us to, to turn, our way, turn away from Christ. We give him more power than he actually has. And that's the second thing. We give him more power than he actually has. Something we'll look into in the coming weeks. So, like playing king of the ring, know what my opposition is, both internally and externally. Internally, doubt, fear, inadequacy, expectation, emotional imbalance. I was going to do emotional damage, but I didn't want to do that one. Emotional, <laughs> emotional imbalance, disappointment, discouragement, hurt, and hate. Things the enemy looks for and feeds until it causes real damage. That's what he does. And then you have these external sort of things as well. Then externally, which talks about in verse 12, rulers and authorities, powers of this dark world and spiritual forces of evil that are at work in this world today. Now, remember, the physical workings we witness around us have its roots in the spiritual. Hence, our need to address what is going on must mean we must then battle first in the spiritual. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish, meaning our weapons have the divine power to demolish strongholds. Too many times we as Christians, too many times we as the church try to address things the way the world addresses things. We try to handle things the way the world handles things. Now granted, truth is truth. God's truth is God's truth. That does not change. But the, the means and the deception of the enemy is to take truth. Because what's a lie? You tell me, if, if you can, what makes the most effective lie? What's the most impactful lie? What's the most persuasive lie? If you're a liar, what are the most persuasive lies? Anyone know? So if, if you get it right, I'm not going to sit there and say, liar, I'm not going to do that. Okay. What did you say, Pam? Pardon? Ones you believe. Yeah, ones you believe. Yeah, that's sort of. I was all set to steal out your liar. The, 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 most, the most effective, I, I like it. Being such a righteous woman, Pam doesn't know what a good lie is. That's really good, sister. That's really good. I'm glad nobody's answering. Aaron. Whoa, lie. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just lied to you then, bro. Oh, forgive me. I'm, I'm the liar there. But exactly right. 
the most effective lies are the lies that have elements of truth in them. Elements of truth, and that's what the enemy does. He'll take an element of truth and twist it. That's what he does. And so we're told here, so the, our weapons of warfare, so even the world does this. They'll take a biblical truth and they'll say, oh, we'll, we'll twist this a little bit so it sounds good, but it's not biblical. I heard a preacher just yesterday who sat there and said, oh, they believe that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's not a person. And he's got a following of millions. And I'm like, dude, that's, that's not biblical at all. That's not biblical at all. And so you have these things, even within churches, that have truths that are twisted, either to sound good or to be accommodating. So our weapons are not of the world. So what are these weapons and from where do we begin in order to deal with the struggle or the wrestling that we face in the world today? We start with here. His strength in verse 10. You'll notice in the title here, it says, His strength. The instruction in verse 10 is specifically states, Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Why? Because my power isn't enough. My resources fail abysmally. My character is weak. My mind is swayed by how I might be feeling at any given moment. Thus, the reason for Paul, after establishing who you are in Christ in chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians, and, and how one lives for Christ in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he says in verse 10, I don't actually have it up there because I forgot to put it there, my apologies, but he says in verse 10, finally, finally, if this is who you are, and if this is how you're to live, finally, this is how it's done. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in His mighty power. That when you think about how you're supposed to live, if you look at it in, in chapters 4 and 5, or in 5 when he goes, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands and submit to them. Children, obey your parents. Masters, treat your slaves well. Slaves, you, you respond well to your masters. What I find really great about that is that regardless of the role that you have as a grandparent, husband, father, student, worker, employee, employer, this applies to every aspect of our lives. doesn't matter who you are, that you be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Now, here is what really hit me in the head when I was doing this. When I think of being strong in something, I, I, like, I like the nature of the challenge and how I can gauge what that strength might be. Like it, it, might, it might be, it might be at the gym. It might be at the gym. I'm strong physically because I can bench press this much. If I recall Brad, his personal best was 120 kilos. I, I, it might be strong in intellect. And I look at how many problems I can solve either mathematic, math, math, I can't even say the word. Mathematically, or it might be with literature, it might be with art, it might be knowledgeable in music. I look at how strong, it might be a strength of character, but we like to gauge our progress and how strong something 
is. So I look at how strong I am in the Word by how many chapters I read a day and how much Bible memory I have. I, I read about how, I think I measure how strong I am in prayer by, by the journals that I keep and, and the list of answered prayer that I have. I'll, I'll gauge how spiritual I am and the strength of my spirituality by how many sermons I preach or how many church services I attend or, or how much I serve, whether upstairs or, or downstairs, or how many people that I interact with. I'll, I'll gauge my evangelism by how many people I share the gospel with and how many people come to the Lord. And, and, and now please don't get me wrong, these are beautiful things and they are necessary things and they're important things for our growth. Please don't, don't get me wrong. But when it says to be strong in the Lord, and I even preached a sermon on this, being strong in the Lord means being strong in the Word, strong in prayer, strong in faithful giving, strong in, in worship, strong in evangelism, strong, strong. And this is what I was saying. I was like, yep, and, and we, gauge, we gauge it that way, that our strength is measured by what I do. And then when I looked at this, and this is what God really struck, struck me with, is being strong in the Lord is about you and I being strong in our connection, strong in our, get this, strong in our dependence, strong in our reliance upon Jesus Christ. It almost sounds like an oxymoron. It almost sounds like an oxymoron that we are to be strong in being weak. That's what we're to be strong in. Strong in relying on Jesus. Strong in going to Him for your comfort and going to Him for your strength and going to Him for your direction. That's what's about being strong in trust. This is the point that Paul is trying to make in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, which we all know and which we have all heard. And which you all read, if you've got your Bibles, have I don't know if I put it up there. No, I didn't. But if you've got your Bibles, look at it. Look at it. He says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because he goes, for my power, my power, my strength, my spirit, my power is made perfect in what? In your weakness. That's when my power is made perfect. In your weakness, not in your strength, not in your knowledge, not in your accumulation of activity, but in your weakness. That's when my power is my strength. That's why Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about what? About my weaknesses. Why? So Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, verse 12, verse 10, I delight in weakness in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, I don't want to sound conceited or arrogant or proud, but you need to be a Joseph Helg. The reason why I say that, and you know this, I went to one of those um, supplement places years ago, and the lady behind the counter was Swiss. Now, my surname is actually Swiss. And she goes, oh, your name. It's Swiss. I said, yes, my great-grandfather was Swiss. And she goes, oh, do you know what your name means? I said, no. And she goes, your name means weak. And I'm like, I'm like, as in like seven days? No. And I'm like, really? She goes, your name means weak. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> you know what Joseph means? Joseph means 
to add, to contribute. So my name together basically means I am to contribute to weakness. That's what my name is. And you know what I like about that name? Because in my weakness, what do I get to experience? Christ's power. So you need to be a Joseph Howard. No, you don't. No, you don't. But I thought, wow, that's, Lord, thank you so much that you've made me in such a manner. To remind me, it's got nothing to do with me. So in this weird way, we are called to be strong in weakness so Christ's power might be lived in. Now, I want you to take note of something. It says to be strong in weakness does not mean to be strong in uselessness. It doesn't mean to be strong in laziness. It doesn't mean to be strong in inactivity. That's not what it means. Being strong in weakness means positioning myself. Positioning myself in a means where I am connected to the vine. Why? Because as I am connected and reliant upon the vine, what happens? Fruit comes forth as I'm connected to Him. That as I walk and to position myself to walk in the Spirit. You know what that means then? To walk in the Spirit means to walk in obedience. Walking in the Spirit. If the Spirit of God wrote the Word of God, walking in the Spirit means what? Me walking in accordance with what the Word of God has to say. Which means walking in obedience to the Word of God. That's what that means. That's what walking in the Spirit means. It means being controlled by the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. But that's what it means, to be strong in weakness, to be strong in dependence, to be strong in trust, which is hard for us because we and our own, no, no, and my own pride, it's hard for me because me and my own pride, me and my own arrogance, you know what I like to do? I like to handle it myself. I like to look at what things I can do, how I can manipulate how I can bring about my desired goals and not his. So, and this is, what, this is where, I mean, where, where does in being strong in weakness, where can that start? Where can that start? How, how do you be strong in weakness? How do you deliberately make yourself be strong in weakness? And I, I, this is the, this is the, being a real proud, arrogant man, and I, I, think, I think a lot of guys, I don't want to lump you all in the same boat as me, but you, may, you might actually help, this might be helpful for you. It starts with this. By asking, by asking, asking for help, asking for comfort, crying out to the Lord, the recognition of knowing and accepting that I am incapable with my ability, incapable with my resources, incapable with my intelligence to live out what God has called me to. And what happens, it results in me asking It's humbling when you go somewhere and you've got to ask. You start a job, you don't know what you're doing, you don't have any problem asking. But when you don't understand something, going back and saying, how do I do this? You humble yourself to ask because you want to know. And in the Scriptures, we are told time and time again, given these wonderful examples. Jeremiah 33, 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things that thou knowest not. That's from the King James. I I always love the way that sounds. Psalm 84, the second part of verse 2 says, My heart and my soul cry out for the living God. Matthew 7, 7, Ask, 
and it shall be given, and you shall uh, not, uh, seek and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened. It starts with asking, Lord, I don't know, please help. Lord, I'm having trouble, please guide. It, it means crying out to Him and, and seeking Him. And see, it's with that understanding of our need for His strength, the need for His strength in order for us to address the struggle that we face, that we then get to experience this in Christ, our stand. We get to experience our stand in verse 11. Like me in King of the Ring when I push all the kids out and I'm the only one left standing. That, that's what God wants to bring us in our relationship with Him. His strength results in our standing. Our standing results from us fighting with the divine weapons God has provided for us in Christ to wear, to wield, and to weaponize, both offensively and defensively, that we might be able to stand in the spiritual battle that we're in. So to be left standing like King of the Ring, we are to be left standing in our struggle, in our wrestle. We are to, one, know who we're up against, know the schemes that he uses. Look at 1, 1 John 5, 2, 15 to 17. You see the schemes that he uses. Know whose side we're on. We are on the Lord's side. Savior, we are thine. And three, suit up appropriately. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes, <coughs> against the devil's schemes. You stand against the devil's schemes when you are suited up. You stand against the devil's schemes when you follow your orders. You stand against the devil's schemes when you know you're in the fight and that you are on the winning side. Look at this. 1 John 4, 4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In, predict, in predicting his death uh, to his disciples, he says in John 12, 31, Jesus says, now is the time for judgment on the world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So that our comfort in Christ is that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always abound in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 10. So as we prepare, as we look at the, the lessons, as we prepare for the new year, prepare to stand strong with what is in front of us, with the the uncertainty of this new year, the uncertainty of what we'll encounter, of who we'll encounter, and the trials and obstacles that we face, we can be excited as we look at God's Word. We can be excited because we are known by Jesus and to follow the lessons and the instructions and the truth from His Word to equip us, to prepare us, and that we might walk in for His glory. That's what's in front of us. That's what excites us. And that's where we get to go together. I pray that this would be a reality in each of our lives. To stand strong in the struggle with his strength in order to make our stand. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you for this past year. And I pray as we look to the future, you might help us. You might help us to look unto you, the author and perfecter of our faith. You might help us to be equipped with the armor of God you've provided. You might help us to abide in the strength that you have given us in your Son, that we would be able to make our stand in the power of your Spirit, that we might be able to endure in the trial that we face day in and day out. So, Lord, we commit ourselves to you now and thank you. Thank you that you have overcome the world. Thank you that you have called us to yourself. Thank you that we are on the winning side. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind and live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.